1: Welcome to episode twenty-two of the Only Three Lads podcast, where we take a look at the golden age of alternative music from nineteen seventy-four to nineteen ninety-nine. I'm Uncle Greg. We have the PhD of Music, Brett Vargo, and we have Ambassador Bueno. All here once again this week for you. What's going on, guys? Hey, guys! Long time no talk. It's been a while—like a it week no. Yes. We're counting down this week, the top five final albums of the Only Three Lads era. I think that we've been talking about, there's going to be lots of crossover, but a lot of the ones that I picked were ones that I lived. Uh, there were some that maybe I was a little bit too young. I mean, I was alive, but I was paying no attention at the time. But I think that this one, this list wasn't hard, but it was a little bit difficult to try and find the final albums and you know, why they mean something to me. That was a little yeah. bit hard for me this time. Oh, for
0: sure. This week was tougher than I thought it would be because, you know, I mean, look at the era we're in. It, it seems like most bands nowadays reform at some point or another, unless the band split was like so acrimonious that there's little to no chance of reconciliation or, you know, somebody major
1: dies. Yep. It seems like.
0: Everybody gets together. That's why
1: this was tough. Well, that's what the music business is so tough, is that really bands, usually they have shelf lives of five years. So that's why if you have a band like U2 or Linkin Park or any band that's been around for 20-something years, you know, Slipknot, squeeze. it's really special because they're making music that still squeeze. is squeezed. Yeah, squeeze. yeah who still that, that still means something today. So usually a lot of bands, they have a five-year shelf life. So anything past that is, you know, gravy, But it gets really tough. And of course, I think that you're saying a lot of the bands now, there's so much money in touring now because I guess the corporations, they own a lot of the venues and they got to get butts in the seat to buy the beer and pay for the parking and buy the two hot dogs and buy the t-shirts. And so the money that they're offering some of these bands to get together or, you know, reform and go on tour is just amazing. Like you've got Gosh, think of uh, the Motley Crue Stadium tour with Def Leppard and Poison and Joan Jett. There's so much money being thrown around, especially before all this happened in 2020. But now it's all moved to 2021. You wait until next year. Once we get this vaccine or whatever we need to do, a treatment for COVID-19, you're going to see a lot of music and a lot of shows out there. And hopefully they're going to get probably more affordable because there's going to be so much competition to get your concert-going dollar. Mm-hmm.
2: I was reading somewhere that they are actually saying that uh, the properties of marijuana can actually kill COVID-19 from the body because it actually blocks COVID-19 from entering the body. Hmm. And there's two people, I can't remember if it was in Switzerland or, or Sweden, but uh, they are actually cultivists of cannabis and they actually have found a cure for it. That way to block it from entering your body. So, So, Buena, what
1: you're saying is buy stock in Doritos and Coca-Cola right now, right? (laughs) Wow. Sounds like a good idea. This message
0: brought to you by only three lads in the Marijuana Growers Association of America. (laughs) (laughs) So- I got to talk about something before
2: we start our episode 22. And I need to tell the world in a quick one to two minutes what I've gone through with my health and and beat everything I will mention. So try to keep up, people. I'm still a happy-go-lucky guy without any worries. And I'm still trying to figure out how the hell I'm still here. On this planet Earth, so a television accident at Thunderbird Hotel in, in Las Vegas, paralyzed from the waist down at two years old for forty-eight hours, thrown off a horse at five, went into a partial coma, broke three seven fingers, playing basketball during my early years, two heart attacks at twenty-one and thirty, carbon dioxide poisoning, two blood clots, shingles, stage four cancer in three areas of my body: neck, stomach, abs. Yesterday. An accident that didn't happen with a truck pulling a flat cargo bed, running a red light five seconds after the light changes. I'm crossing the intersection. This truck shows up within no shit seven feet in front of me, and I'm going about 10 miles an hour. All I remember is me turning the wheel hard as I could, and I did a total 360 in place and totally missed that truck. And I cursed that son of a bitch out for running that red light. So my life just flashed in front of me. So I'm staying around for a while, spreading the word of love, people. So like it or not, me bueno. It's not going anywhere soon, so <laughs> I just want to spread the word of love, and that word is love. So sending love to everybody, and of course, the hardworking people keeping our country moving forward, and love and prayers from only three lads to all the ones suffering
0: from this god-awful COVID-19 get well. I know. Sowing the seeds of love. Those are lovely words, Bueno. Yes. And man, I lost track of all the lives you had,
1: but you are truly a walking miracle. Yeah. Let's go. Let's start it off, boys. All right. Well, this week, of course, we're talking about the top five final albums. And, of course, Bueno, he's not to his final album, as we just heard. Bueno, you're first. Bueno! Let's hear your number five this week. My number five is In the Row. It's the third final album, studio album by
2: American rock band Nirvana. Can't Even talk. September 21st, 1993. Uh, Man, they intended for this record to be totally diverse Uh, from the polished, refined production of his previous album, Nevermind. And in early 92, Cobain said that he was sure that uh, Utero would showcase more of the extremes of its sound, saying it would be more raw with some songs and more candy pop on some of the others. Oh, yeah. So it would never be like one dimensional as Nevermind was. So upon its release, Utero reached uh, number one on both the U.S. and the U.K. album chart, And they loved it, man. Heart-shaped box, all apologies. This thing sold over 15 million copies worldwide. Several of the songs had been written years prior to the recording, some of them dated back to 1990. Francis Farmer will have a revenge on Seattle was one of his favorite long songs in reaction to contemporary alternative rock bands that utilized you know, single-word titles. Incredible record there, released on vinyl and a cassette tape in the UK and on September 14th, vinyl in the United States with the American vinyl pressing limited to only 25,000 copies. So if you have an original one of this, hold on to it, because it's probably worth a lot of money. And uh, in the first week of release, uh, the album actually, like I said, went number one in the US Billboard charts and selling 180,000 copies. Meanwhile, retail chain, Walmart, Kmart, yeah, they didn't want to do it. They said, screw it, we don't want to sell your damn album.
3: (laughs) Rape me, rape me, my friend. Rape me, rape me.
2: So, uh, Walmart claimed it didn't carry the album due to lack of consumer demand. 180,000 sure. copies. Yeah, Ooh, right. That's pretty good lack of consumer demand. Huh. Whoever made that decision. Well, Kmart represented, explained that album just didn't fit their merchandise mix. <laughs> Three <laughs> singles, heart shape box. All apologies, royal Tea. You guys know this record. It's going to be yeah. a crossover, and that's my number five
1: top final albums. Nirvana in Row <laughs> Obviously a good one. <laughs> and I think it was the album art that scared them away. And then of course the song Rape Me when P- that came that out title. Out of them. Oh, that <laughs> yeah. was, you know, Rape Me, which is a great song. Love that song. But I do know that a lot of people were like, Oh my god, I can't believe that they would thank you toward women and blah blah blah. It had nothing to do about that, but you know. We're not going to let facts get in the way of outrage. Yeah, but they sold 180,000. Oh, I know. But what? It, you know, but uh, I just think a lot of people were scared off by that. But what a mm-hmm. brilliant album. Yes. And Great I think album. there probably will be a crossover with that one. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. All mm-hmm. right. Brett, you're up. All right. I'm
0: up. I stiffed Husker Duder in our 80s punk episode, and I will not do it again. My number five pick is the Huskers' January 1987 Farewell Warehouse Songs and Stories. Like 1984 Zen Arcade, it's a messy, sprawling double album, but the three albums, and amazingly only two and a half years in between the two albums, made a world of difference. I love Zen Arcade and acknowledge that it's one of the masterpieces of the 80s, but I think my personal preference may controversially be... Warehouse. Once again, it comes down to my ultimate love of pop music. While Warehouse still rocks hard, it won't be confused for a hardcore album and peels back the noise to reveal the melodies that are front and center. here. Both Bob Mould and Grant Hart turn in some of their finest tunes here that reflect an incredible maturity in their songwriting. For the first time on a Husker Du record, Mold and Hart split the songwriting duties 50-50, which led to tension between the two. Now, tension could be a terrible thing for a band, obviously, and of course it led to this band's demise, but sometimes when that tension comes through on the record, the results can be thrillingly magical. I think there's a concept here in this record as the title hints, but unlike Zen Arcade, I can't really tell what it is. To me, it just sounds like a very strong collection of what could affectionately be dubbed college rock. Well,
3: could you be the one they talk about? Well, hiding inside, behind another is it only happiness you want? Just wanting a PLA-
0: Yeah, like most double albums, some may quibble that it would make a stronger single record, but I don't care. I like it just the way it is. And it's my number five final album, Husker Do's Warehouse Songs and Stories. Yeah, I wouldn't
3: change
1: it
0: for nothing. Would not change (laughs) it for nothing.
1: Nothing. Great pick. (laughs) Thanks, Uncle Greg. Well, I'm going to kick off my list of my top final albums with Rage Against the Machine and their 1999 album, The Battle of Los Angeles. It was their last full-length studio album of original material by the band before they broke up in 2000. And you really don't have to agree with the band's political views to appreciate their bravery and their honesty to express what they believe. band, of course, is now back together. So at some point, I think bueno may be throwing rocks at me, saying that wasn't their final album. And hopefully, that's no. true. No, There's a huge As tour of right now. It is. It is. Yeah. It is. It's, but a no, huge I don't tour. See an album planned. out in the future. Right now, well, probably not till at least 2022 because they still, of course, they were supposed to go on a big tour this summer, selling out everywhere, sold out in Phoenix. I want to say within Coachella, minutes. I think right. Yeah, yeah everything. Mm-hmm. I'll uh, come so, back at you then. Yeah, exactly. The lead single, Gorilla Radio, was an alternative radio hit. I can't tell you how many times I spun it. It's a song about the exploitation of garment workers. Sleep Now in the Fire, Testify, and Calm Like a Bomb followed as singles some iconic Rage Against the Machine songs. This album was a bidding farewell to the 20th century with a kick to the teeth with the middle finger. Uh, And that's why it's my number five final album this week. Nice choice.
0: Thank
3: you. Oh,
0: wow. I don't really know anything about Rage. I I didn't realize that their last album was that long ago. Oh, really? He could buy his beer twenty-one years ago. Oh, how? Yeah. I have seen what what's uh, Tom Morello. Yep. Yes, I've seen him play with Bruce Springsteen. He's a fabulous guitarist.
2: He's incredible. Everything he does. Yep. Cool.
1: Yeah. I
2: like I like listening to a show
1: on Sirius. Pretty cool. Yeah. He's very astute. He went to Harvard and got in, uh, a degree in political science. He's not some you know wow, some dumb dummy guitarist yeah. he's definitely he's he's a baller man and he's great at a lot of things guitar is just one of them and songs and rage against the machine awesome sure. all right we're at number four bueno number
2: four all right so uh, let's get naked let's see eighth and final studio album possibly Speak another for yourself. I'm sorry, probably another crossover. Uh, American rock band, The Talking Heads, released on March 15, 1988 by Sire Records. And, you know, the band dissolved shortly after the album's release, but they didn't tell anybody until like three years later. So uh, yeah. wanting to try something different after their use of uh, regional American music and pop song format from their previous two records, Little Creatures and True Stories, they decided to take their stuff to Paris with a group of international musicians. You know, prior to leaving for France, the band recorded about 40 improv tracks that would serve as a foundation for the sessions in Paris. So along with, uh, oh my gosh, again, Steve Lillywhite, man, the guy's all over everywhere. Jeez. It seems like he's... He's like on every one of our podcasts, isn't he? No.
0: Get I'm, out of here, Steve Lillywhite. Gosh, you keep showing up everywhere. No, we're just kidding. We love you. Yeah, we love you, man. Are you kidding me?
2: So you know Paris, he said, is a wonderful place. But uh, drummer uh, Chris France said. Uh, we're really embracing world culture fully in the interest of freedom for the musicians. It was decided that lyrics and melodies would be left until later, and the lyrics were not overdubbed until the band returned to New York. Many of Byrne's uh, lyrics were sung along with the pre-recorded tracks he found somewhere that he felt worked. How weird is that? Melodies and yeah. lyrics evolved in a similar fashion as the songs themselves, and Anthony De Curtis uh, called the album "stylistically bold and intelligent, and a dizzying." What is that? Your Anthony De Curtis? I don't know what it is. A dizzying <laughs> and a disrupting piece of work that marks a return to the more open-ended, more orientated style that the heads defined on Remain in Light. You guys two singles blind and nothing but flowers that's all that's my number four top five best final albums talking Heads.
3: naked
2: good pick thank you
0: for that stirring anthony de curtis impersonation i don't even know what he sounds like so <laughs> <laughs> Great choice. That didn't even hit my radar. Are you serious? Amazingly. I am so serious. I know it hit somebody else's radar. It hit my radar. Hit. I'll say that. I know. We'll okay. see if
1: I picked it. Hmm.
0: All right. Well, my number four album that did hit my radar is an album that I actually didn't hear in its entirety you until think? last year. Susie and the Banshee's 11th and final album, The Rapture, ah. released at least in the U.S. on Valentine's Day 1995 and quite appropriately, based on that release date, it's a lovely record. So what took me so long? So first of all, I bought into the misguided theory from a few fans that the Banshees more or less lost the plot on their last two records. Also, I've been on a Susie kick over the last few years since her vinyl reissue campaign, so I picked this one up for the first time and was absolutely amazed. After the somewhat lukewarm superstition, I don't only find it an incredible return to form, but I think it's even better than Peep Show, which I realize may be heresy to some. (laughs) I'm a fan of lush, ornate arrangements, and this album has its share, which lends a gorgeous, romantic, melodramatic flair to the overall presentation. Produced by the band with a handful of tracks handled by the legendary John Cale of Velvet Underground fame, this album is a perfect summation of the Banshee's career. Side one of the vinyl version is the ideal representation of the sublime goth pop that they were so capable of. Oh Baby, Tearing Apart, Stargazer, and Fall From Grace in Succession is a tremendous way to start the album. Oh, and for our Polish fans out there, of which at last count there were exactly zero, you probably already know that Oh Baby hit number one on the Polish singles chart. Yay! The rest of the album finds the band. What? Me. <laughs> You're a Polish fan? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, then you you obviously knew that. I, I, I told you guys. I'm like, i um, freaking Heinz 57, man.
1: I'm I got Hungarian. Got a bit of everything in me. I'm Hungarian. Yes, that's pretty close to being a Polish.
0: Band. I'm Hungarian, too. Look but, at that. Uh, were you in Poland in 1995? Uh, no, not them. You may not know that that was such a big hit. Maybe you do. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I knew it
3: was. <laughs>
0: All right, the rest of the album finds the band balancing their pop side with darker, more experimental material and contains some career highlights, including Falling Down, Sick Child and the mesmerizing eleven and a half minute title track. Sometimes you want to punch the critics, but sometimes they're spot on in describing an album. Melody Maker's contemporary review of the album called The Rapture, quote, a fascinating transcontinental journey through danger and exotica, a vivid cornucopia of lush instrumentation, mandolins vying with cellos and bells, sweeping strings describing starlit oceans and sirens calling from jagged rocks and attics that hide secret worlds, unquote. Well, I was trying to find the right words to describe how this album makes me feel, and that about does it. So I'll leave it at that. And apparently, so did Susie. So that is my number four, Susie and the Banshees, The Rapture. I have one word amazing. That band was. Do you have two words,
1: cross and over? Mm, not this week. Okay. It was there. Right. Uncle Greg. All right, well, my number four of the top five final albums. I mean, come on! This band's first and last album—how can it get any more poetic than that? The Sex Pistols released. Never mind the Bullocks. Here's the Sex Pistols in 1977, and it still makes so-called hardcore bands look tame. Never mind the Bullocks. Here's the Sex Pistols is one of, is one of, if not the most influential and important albums of all time. God, Parents in authority hated them, making the kids love them even more. And when you're in a band and getting banned from playing in parts of countries, you're winning. And it, they made them dangerous. They didn't care. Anarchy in the UK, God Save the Queen, pretty vacant, holidays in the sun. So please, parents, teach your children well and make sure they know this band and this album. Never mind the Bullocks changed everything overnight. album it was perfectly timed and it perfectly ended the Sex Pistols so number 4 Sex Pistols Never Mind the Bullocks. Here's the Sex Pistols
2: Yeah but you would Pistols but you you actually teach your children that's a CSNY you just pulled in there
0: right
1: maybe in the
0: there yeah. Mm-hmm. which the Sex Pistols would have done an amazing cover. Of. <laughs> mm-hmm. I know. Teach your children well. So I we're just going to have to go straight into
2: my number three because it's a crossover. And Uncle Greg, would you quit crossing over with me? This is Whoa, the Sex Pistols. But, Never mind. All right. But, Here's the Sex Pistols. And this
1: is the only studio album. We got to yeah. take a break. We got to take a <laughs> break real quick. We got bills to pay here on the Only Three Lads podcast. Don't forget, if you have a top five list of your final albums, make sure and go to our Facebook page, make sure and like us, and hit the notifications. All of our episodes come out on Tuesday morning. So make sure and get there and stick around. We'll be here with the crossover number three with Bueno after this. Was I not supposed to do that right then? <laughs> idea of a hot day to sweet talking surrey in the bathtub no thanks i'll pass pervert you need a serious classic alternative infusion only three lads welcome back to the only three lads podcast we take a look at the golden age of alternative music 1974 to 1999 don't forget You can get us anywhere, Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spreaker, Apple Podcasts, and the iHeartRadio app. And if you are one of those Android people, we have an app for you where you can just download it and you'll get all the episodes.
0: One of you Android people. Yeah, just pick your phone up, look at it, and scream,
1: only three lads. (laughs) Oh, nice. (laughs) And if you're a paranoid Android. (laughs) Yeah. This week, we're (laughs) counting down the top five final albums, and apparently, Bueno says we have another crossover going on right now, so Yeah, well, you here. keep looking at my yeah. stuff here on my computer or something. Well, we were into the same music at the same time. I know.
2: What can I tell I know. you? I So, Pistols, man. You're number three. Yep. Yeah. What can you say, man? I mean, incredible piece of piece of work there. I mean, they influenced everybody. It seems like. I
3: mean. Oh, still do.
2: Johnny's sneering delivery, half singing, often you know, game-changing stuff that that guy did. I mean, like I said, I want to interview him. I mean, please give me a call. I mean, if you really want to talk crazy, you just have to pick that damn phone up and give me a call, Johnny, because I will interview you. I'm not scared of you. I'll stand up right to your face and talk to you if you really want to go oh, at boy. it like a wrestling match. So, I mean, this guy was amazing. I mean, I mean, they were just so controversial having sworn on live TV being fired from two record labels, banned from playing live in parts of Britain, the album title added to that controversy, some people finding the word bollocks offensive. Many stores said, I'm not going to put that thing on my shelves. Go away. So they just showed in a blank space instead. So, I mean, come on, guys. The Pistols, 60 weeks on the top 25. I mean, four singles released. Anarchy in UK, God Save the Queen, Pretty Vacant, Holidays in the Sun, that's my favorite. 1985, Enemy writers voted "Never Mind the Bollocks" 13 greatest album of all time, and then in 87, Rolling Stone magazine named it the second best album in the previous 20 years. Do you know who was the first? Sergeant Pepper. Oh, good choice. So, that's my number three. Sex
0: Pistols. Never Mind the Bollocks.
3: Crossover. Yes
0: uncle greg intelligent pick again intelligent pick i didn't consider uh one album bands but you know that's just me and of course here in america where bollocks really doesn't mean anything i think we all just assumed it was a uh, thinly veiled tribute to actor jim j bullock from too close for comfort fame yeah obviously Yeah. yeah could be my number three so One of my fondest memories of the two times I visited England was going to Manchester. It was November, 2002 and my wife and I were staying in Liverpool, but we took the hour drive to Manchester for the day to check it out. Unbeknownst to us, it happened to be the first time that Manchester city had played Manchester United since 1989. And we were there when the game let out and the streets were packed and it was incredibly chaotic. And you know what? It felt so good to be a part of it all, especially for an Anglophile like me. I felt like I was really a part of that cultural moment. Heaven. Of course, being the music nerds that me and my wife actually is as well, we had a punch list of musical sites that we had to check out in Manchester. Granada Studios, which was where the Stone Roses made their first TV appearance. The Epping Walk Bridge, where there's a famous Joy Division photo shoot taken the site of the factory records headquarters and a whole lot of sites that loom very large in the smiths legend including the salford lads club and the prison that was once known as strange ways all that is to say that my number 3 final album is strange ways here we come by the smiths from 1987 Now, it says a lot about the sheer brilliance of this band that an album like Strange Ways is my least favorite Smiths album and yet still makes number 3 on my list because my least favorite Smiths album is still better than a lot of the best albums by other groups. It was the final opportunity we had to hear Morrissey's pithy mixture of cheeky humor and self-pity married to Johnny Marr's gorgeous melodies and guitar jangle. Sadly, it is a combination that we are unlikely to ever hear again. But Strange Ways also represents a departure in the Smiths' sonic landscape, introducing synthesized strings and horns and drum machines to give the album a fuller sound. The album does indeed boast its share of Smiths' classics. A rush and a push in the land is ours. Girlfriend in a coma. Stop me if you've heard this one before. I started something I couldn't finish. Last night, I dreamt that somebody loved me. The latter, which makes you want to curl up with a Sylvia Plath book and have a good cry. And also, I may or may not have bought a pillowcase at a Moz show with those very words emblazoned on it. And a big photo of Morrissey. Hmm. Maybe. I did. I'm going to get a reputation here. By the time of the album's (laughs) release, the Smiths were defunct with Johnny Marr's departure from the band a couple of months prior. Despite that, Morrissey and Marr have both asserted over the years that it's their favorite Smiths album.
3: I got that pillowcase. Do
0: you? (laughs) The gorilla does? Don't don't get too much hair on it. (laughs) So, scorecard, Strange Ways, number two in the UK, number 55 in the US, and number three on my list today.
1: incredible piece of work what an intelligent pick very intelligent (laughs) is it now it is (laughs) because let me tell you well my number three final album has been called both satisfying and frustrating at the same time satisfying because it's great frustrating because morrissey and johnny marr had so much further to go together my number three also strange ways here we come of my top five final albums you said it all brett already and it's a great album I remember the mods, that's what we used to call them, like the goth kids, when the Smiths broke up in 1987. Boy, there was extra depression and extra weight through the hallways of high school, of Cortez High, when it was announced that the Smiths were breaking up and were no longer. but that was definitely a great album. And I do believe it's going to be their final album, as you said, Brett, because I know Johnny Mars even said they're not even mates and I'm sure they have been offered Buku bucks to get back together. They would build stadiums, but it's never going to happen. Never, ever, ever. Bummer. Sad. Sad. All right, Bueno, what's your number two? My number two uh, could be another
2: crossover, but we'll see. But uh, it's closer. That's the second and final studio album by English rock band Joy Division, released on July eighteenth, nineteen eighty. Produced by Martin Hannock, released two months after the suicide of uh, Ian Curtis, reached number six on the UK album chart. It was actually remastered in two thousand and seven, and today they're saying today it's widely recognized as a seminal release of the post-punk era. All know uh, the non-album single "Level" tear us apart. Uh, great piece of work here. Even George Michael even said it was uh, one of the most incredible records he ever listened to. And the album was voted
3: number one in the
2: 1980 Albums of the Year and listed 157th of the 500 greatest albums of all time, sold over a quarter of a million copies worldwide, and actually, uh, Level Terrace Apart uh, sold about 160,000 copies. Album placed uh, number 72 on the list of the 100 greatest British albums to ever be released by NME. Q Magazine placed at number 8 the 40 greatest albums released in the 80s. And this thing is just haunting, more even clo- claustrophobic, more inventive, more beautiful. And then it's processor calling Joy Division start to finish masterpiece a flawless encapsulation of everything the group sought to achieve. Damn, again, again, wish you didn't take it away from all of us, but we love you still, so.
3: Of between life life.
2: Yeah, This is what I always mention about albums when you need to listen top to bottom, front to back, whichever way you go, and that's my number two. Top five best albums: joint Division, Closer. Uh,
0: you ever wonder what Ian Curtis would have thought of uh, George Michael? What he would have thought of Wham! Rap, for example. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Club Tropicana. He might have dug it. You never know. He might have dug it. He might have. He might have went into a
2: seizure. Who knows? There that too. You know, could have went either way. But uh, otherwise, sorry, I'm horrible. That's a. That's a. I love that record. I can listen to that all day. So yeah. All right, Brett. What's your
0: number two? Jitterbug Bug. Yeah. All right. Well, um, <laughs> it is it is Wham. No, it is actually not. <coughs> spit, Although, come on, spit it out. I do enjoy Wham. All right, my number two album is the final album from The Jam, 1982's "The Gift," and it did prove to be one final gift from Weller, Foxton, and Buckler. The album opens with the muttered spoken words. Before Weller's echo laden cry of. Hey! It's the best echo-laden cry I can do. Breaks in and the band erupts in the most straightforward jam-like song on the album, the galloping rocker Happy Together. The rest of the album, as the opening voice accurately claims, is indeed in Technicolor. The Gift is the most varied album in the jam's career, with a pair of Weller's most heartfelt mature ballads, Ghosts and Carnation, vying with the charged funk of Precious and Circus, the calypso of The Planner's Dream Goes Wrong, and the northern soul Grooves, of Transglobal Express, the title track, and Town Called
3: Malice.
0: Of course, the latter track was the only time the jam troubled any American Top 40 chart when it hit number 31 on the mainstream rock chart. Town Called Malice, mm-hmm. right? Town Called Malice, yes. The magic of Town Called Malice is that it takes the rather dour subject matter of a working class town and its people being destroyed under the thumb of Thatcher-era economic conditions and dresses it up in a bouncy, upbeat frock. Needless to say, both album and single fared much better on the band's home turf, where they were superstars, both easily hitting number one. All of the album's diversity somewhat blurs the line of the last jam recordings and the earliest style counter recordings in scope and intent, but the gift is unmistakably the jam, in that you have Bruce Foxton's prominent bass and harmonies and Rick Buckler's propulsive drumming. Oh, yeah, and Weller's a bit more surly and cranky here than in those early initial style council records which could be more indicative of his mindset that he just wants to close this chapter of his career but then again surly and cranky is just how i like my weller anyway if there's one minor complaint about the album just one teensy weensy complaint it's that the jam had so many incredible b-sides non-album singles and outtakes around this time that they could have swapped out a couple of the lesser numbers and lifted it up to one of the best albums of the 80s As is, I love just about everything The Jam put out. I will gladly unwrap this gift time and time again. And that is my number two final album, Swan
1: Song, The Gift by The Jam.
2: That's an incredible gift that they left us.
1: It sure is. And I was thinking, when will The Jam make this list and there it was mm-hmm. yeah Paul Weller is just like a mod Santa Claus I'm I'm having internal dialogue uh <laughs> yeah I have too. no idea what that meant I'm like a uh, uh, what okay. Santa Claus he's,
0: he's he's bringing gifts
1: to us oh okay, I like, a, okay.
2: like the gift like I said earlier yeah yes
1: yeah. but instead of a sleigh he has a scooter Pretty All cool right. well my <laughs> number two this week of the top five final albums another crossover this one with Bueno let's just say it joy division and closer awesome. now there's nothing more that I could say that Bueno has already said but I will say that Oh no you this. can say more Well here's what I got to say Is a lot of people who maybe on the surface listen to Joy Division they think darkness and kind of somber but if you start peeling back the layers the band's music under the surface is about survival, which Bernard Shaw, Peter Hook and Stephen Morris did when they became one of the most acclaimed and influential bands of the 80s with New Order. So even with Wait, the Ber- death, Bernard Shaw, well, Bernard Shaw, uh, again, like George, George Bernard Shaw, Bernard Shaw was on CNN back in the 90s. He was one of the last <laughs> great newsmen. This
3: is a crisis I knew to come, destroy you. What
1: will come Bernard Sumner. Sumner. I'm Sumner. Sorry. Sumner. Sumner. I, I oh. spelled it summer. You spelled it Sumner. 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 I know. I said Sumner. Did you do no, that right. like couple a couple episodes back too? Again? I'm sure I did. Okay, I'm, right. I'm, I'm, I'm only. Right. We're gonna have yeah. to put
2: those up in front of you. You know, like we
1: all. We all <laughs> have our thing. We all. Yeah. Minus numbers. We all love names each other. So no worries. Words. Yeah. So, yeah, so it, it all you have your out.
2: Dilford. I have you my weirdo staff attitude sometimes. So I don't know. Whatever.
1: But that's my number two. And then I my got this great guy album me right here. <laughs> oh, no. Joy God, Division. I'm crazy. Poster. All right, hey, we are going to come back with our number ones this week on the Only Three Lads podcast. Again, if you have a smart speaker, you can just say, "Alexa, put on the Only Three Lads podcast," and you're going to get to hear all of our wonderful list. Again, I'm
0: sorry. I did not understand that. That's what my Alexa mic. always does. Whenever I ask I ask my Alexa to do anything, it's always, "I'm sorry. I'm not available right now. I did not understand that." Just another woman who doesn't want to listen to
1: Brett. <laughs> <laughs> Get in line, Alexa. Get in line. Up your button around the corner, Alexa. I don't know. The ones that I've been (laughs) around, I say play, you know, hits of 1983. Boom, there it was. So up your nose with the rubber hose, Alexa. There you go. All right, we're coming back with our number ones next on the Only Three Lads podcast. (laughs) You're buckled up for a non-stop classic alternative thrill ride. only Three Lads. <laughs> Welcome back to the Only Three Lads podcast, where we take a look at the Ooh, crossover here. Of music. Oh, we have crossovers galore this week. We're already up to four crossovers in our list of the top five final albums of the Only Three Lads era. Pretty good list so far. I think we all yeah. listened to a lot of the same music and loved the same bands and saw the same ends. So we're at our number ones right now. Bueno, what's your number one on this? Oh, week's what do list? you think?
2: It's a crossover. It's a, Is it?
1: it? Either of you have a guess?
2: Rage
0: Against the Machine. Nope, Brad. I didn't think so. It, who's it a crossover with? Both of you. With both of us? Uh-huh. The Smiths? That's my number one.
3: <laughs> <best of>
2: <laughs> Strange Ways, here wow. we go. Wow! Is the fourth and final incredible album by The Smiths. <laughs> number, only reached number two? What the hell is that? What was all that about? Staying in the chart for 17 weeks? You guys need to listen to this stuff and, and go out and buy this stuff. Number two is not bad, though. I mean, all these songs. I mean, come on. All these songs. I'll are take number two. I know. Johnny Marr, Morrissey. Their music's played every day in this world. I mean, their final album recorded in England. Between the album's recording and Johnny Marr leaving the group, Strange Way is the only Smith's album to feature Morrissey playing any musical instrument. Did you guys know that? Yes. Yeah, piano on death of a disco dancer. So Marr felt, felt the band was ready to enter a new musical phase and was determined to avoid a formula that moved away from their previous jingy jangle sound. And he started to look for different influences, finding an interest in an incredible album called The Beatles' White Album. And uh, Marr uh, stated that he intended stringways to be a homage to his records by the uh, Walker Brothers and he wanted to put some saxophone in there and string arrangements, keyboards, drum machine additions. And uh, these guys used to just record all night long, go crazy, and then they would start drinking. And it was always after Morrissey had gone to bed. Uh, he was really not a big drinker. They'd be out just finishing up on overdubs, getting just hammered, and these two said this was their album's best. And you know they don't—they said they don't say that often. At the same time in our sleep, but in different beds. This album rose to number two on <laughs> <laughs> the UK album charts and four singles.
3: And Love, peace,
2: and Girlfriend in a coma. I started something I couldn't finish. Last night I dreamed that somebody loved me. Somebody. Stop Me, if you think I've heard this one before. And the final two songs were recorded in May of 1987, provided B-sides for the album's lead single, Girlfriend in a Coma, that were to be the last Smith's recordings ever together. And uh, that's my number one a triple crossover with my lads here in the
0: Smith's ways, Here we go. I'm sorry, we're going to have to stop you. We have heard this one before. We've <laughs> heard it three times now. All right, and I love every stop! time. Stop it now! But this was the first three-way... But- crossover no no No. second it is not it is the second because we had bowie Bowie. on our top our top artists
2: 74
1: to 79 that's correct yes correct all right so we did it again
0: yeah we
2: did it again oops we
1: did it again
0: did it again speaking of crossover (gasps) again this is not a crossover i didn't think so but we were speaking of it so for number one I'm going to go all the way back to the beginning of the O3L period for an album released on September 16th, 1974, which was in fact 10 days after I was born. I was a mere babe. This is the fourth and final album by arguably the best American pop band of the early 70s and it is starting over by Raspberries. Raspberries were the archetypal power pop band combining the strong influence of their heroes, the melody of the Beatles, the harmony of the Beach Boys, the mod power of the Who and the Small Faces. The band wasn't taken all that seriously during their time, often lumped in with teeny bopper bubblegum bands, thanks to their matching white suits, relatively clean bouffant hairdos, and record company sponsored contests like the one to win a custom Raspberries Rolls Wagon, which was a VW customized to look like a mini Rolls Royce, just for voting for the Foxiest Raspberry. Yes, the Foxiest Raspberry. They played at Disneyland, do you know that? I do know that. I saw that. No, you did not.
2: I did. I saw them what? and the association at Disneyland, oh, dude. Man. Oh, yeah. Well, I told well you, well. I'm I'm everywhere. You are everywhere. That's yep. That is cool. Yeah. That's very cool. I'm chilling right now talking about it.
0: But behind their fabricated facade, AM hits like Go All the Way, I Want to Be With You, and Tonight are some of the most thrilling records of the era and still hold up extremely well. I danced, I'm sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, man. That's Brett, right. But I danced that song with this girl at like 11 or 12 years old. Which one? When. Go All the Way? Uh huh. Oh. And I didn't know what, what the did hell you, it really what did meant. You? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you dog. Fortunately, many power pop bands from the late 70s and even through today still gladly acknowledge the influence of this incredible band. Also, high profile musicians like Bruce Springsteen and Paul Stanley from Kiss. And I'll tell you my quick Raspberries live story, just an aside. So I saw the Raspberries reunion show in 2005 at the House of Blues in LA, and after the show, I'm standing in the valet line right next to Paul Stanley from KISS, and we had a good conversation about the Raspberries, so I thought that was kind of cool. How ironic is it, getting back to the album at hand, that the band's last album is called Starting Over? Well, it was intended to be a new start for the band. Founding berries Eric Carmen and Wally Bryson found themselves with a the new rhythm section in bassist Scott McCarl and drummer Michael McBride, and a tougher sound to go along with it. The change is evident immediately from the album cover. In sepia-toned portraits of the band, they look moody, weary, long-haired, and possibly a little stoned. Whether they knew it at the time or not, the album cover said starting over, but it might as well have said, nah, we're done. But the music contained within is so vibrant and does indeed represent an in intention to start over. The new rhythm section lends more Who-styled muscle to the songs to wit the song I Don't Know What I Want was slotted in very nicely on Who's Next. And, gasp whore, there's cursing on the album. Notably on the otherwise pretty title track, which contains the shocking opening line, used to feel so bleeping optimistic till she said goodbye. But it is the Raspberries, after all, and every track is shaped and sanded into an impeccably produced pop song. In the opening track and lead single Overnight Sensation, Carmen channels both the Beatles and the Beach Boys into one flawless track, a mission statement for anyone who has ever chased the perfect pop song. And newcomer Scott McCarl proves that he can easily keep up with Carmen and Bryson, contributing some of the album's finest songs in Play On and Rose-Colored Glasses. After Raspberries disbanded, Eric Carmen, of course, became the soft rock hit maker behind All By Myself, Never Gonna Fall In Love Again, and Hungry Eyes. Wally Bryson joined forces with a couple of ex-members of The Rascals to form the late 70s power pop band Photomaker, which, even if you don't recognize that name, Chances are you've probably been creeped out by their debut album cover of a young girl all glammed up, staring at you in the bargain bins. None of it, though, holds a candle to the Raspberries. They're one of my all-time favorite bands, and I love every last note they released. But if I were to pick the foxiest Raspberries album, it would be this one. Whether I win the Rolls Wagon or not. That's my number one, starting over by Raspberries. Incredible record, dude. I had a feeling
2: you were going to pick that. Did you? I, I really did because of how many times you we've talked about the raspberries. We have. That's but, why I thought there was a chance it could cross over with you. Well a chance. Well yeah, just because of how you how you, how much you love them, that's why. Yeah. You know? And it, it kind of hit right on that last album and stuff for right there. Yep. And
1: just for the record, I am the foxiest raspberry. <laughs> there you go. There All you right. Know. Well, we'll
3: see, see about go. that.
1: All <laughs> right. Well, this week my number one. On the top five final albums list is another crossover with Bueno, Nirvana's 1993 what? In Utero. You know, Nirvana's still a major influencer today. And as proof, the guitar that Kurt Cobain played in the 1993 MTV Unplugged album, a 1959 Martin D-18E acoustic guitar, recently sold at auction for $6 million. Yeah. The most expensive guitar ever sold.
3: Oh.
1: And with this last album from Nirvana in utero, it was only a failure when it comes to this. The band was trying to alienate the Fairweather fans after the success of Nevermind. It still sold 5 million copies in the US alone. So Nirvana never sold out. The record forced the mainstream to them. And then it was over. that's why they land at number one on my top five final albums nirvana in utero crossover. what the
0: heck is up with this
2: crossover i how many did i say at the beginning i thought i, I said four i think we and that's the, what we had
1: four yeah i called it we had nirvana we had smiths <laughs> we had yeah we Fish, had the, uh, Pistols, we had joy division joy so we division had Pistols, so there you go joy there's, division. there's the four yep. wow yeah right. there needs to be more final albums no, they're not. No. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Stop. That's not. Because a lot of times it was tragedy. I don't want tragedy.
3: Yeah. You know?
1: And well, if people are still making good music, I don't care if you're ninety three yep. or three, I'll listen if it's good. Yep. And if it's art, I want art. Not, yep. you know, ooh, baby like the, the you know, dancing the little crappy Ooh, ooh girl, baby. girl, I love you. Ooh ooh
3: ooh. Ooh ooh ooh. ooh.
2: I'll take anything yeah. by anybody that's incredible like McCartney and Ringo and Whoever wants yeah, to put agree. some old music out. I mean, I don't really care. New old music. We need some great love out there right now. So my number Way five down. is Nirvana in Utero crossover with Uncle Greg. Number four, Talking Heads Naked. Number three, Sex Pistols, Nevermind bollocks crossover. Number two, Joy Division Closer. And my number one is The
0: Smiths, triple crossover. Strange Ways, here we come. All right, my top five. Number five is Husker Du, never mind Jim J. Bullock. Oh, no, I'm sorry. It's Warehouse Stories and Songs. So oh, that guy over 91X f- might like that one, huh? You talking about Big G? Mm-hmm, Big G. Big G. Big J. Number four, Susie and the Banshees, The Rapture. Number three, The Smiths, Strange Ways, Here We Come, triple crossover. Number two, The Jam, The Gift.
1: And number one, Raspberries, Starting Over. In my top five final albums at number five, Rage Against the Machine, The Battle of Los Angeles. Number four, The Sex Pistols with Nevermind the Bullocks. Here's The Sex Pistols. Number three, Smith's Strange Ways. Here we come. Number two, Joy Division Closer. And my number one, Nirvana in Utero. Crossover week, big time Whew. this week. Wow. Yowza. All right, yowza, Brett, let's hit that. Yowza. Oh, yes. Let's hit that randomizer. See what we're doing next week. Shall we? All right. We got... We
0: got got the funk. Okay. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, not Yoko Ono again. (laughs) You? Well, actually, I wish, but I can assure you, Yoko is not in the randomizer. But (laughs) Uncle Greg, perhaps a Yoko song could slip into this. The top five
1: synth pop songs. Oh, there we go. This is gonna be a hard one. There's so many great ones.
2: There oh are gosh. a lot of great ones. In the 25 oh. year span? 25 year span.
0: Knock yourself out.
2: Oh, God. Who, who put this stuff in a randomizer,
0: man? Brett. Um, <laughs> um, I don't know. <laughs> You're doing a great job, Jim, Brett. I think it
1: was Jim J. Bullock. <laughs> well, we could have fired Jim J. Bullock. <laughs> it's going to be a hard week, but there's going to be a yeah. lot of great music. Well, again, Thanks for joining us on this Only Three Lads podcast. Gentlemen, anything you have to say before we get out of here?
0: I can tell you that this is far from our swan song. We may be covering final albums, but gosh, we got a lot of great topics to go. Oh, yeah. And Amen. stories. Oh, yeah. All oh, right. yeah.
2: Hold on for a second. I'm going to put this damn gorilla in, in in the cage for the next week. So hold on.
3: Come here, you son of a bitch. i oh, fight me. Get
0: out of there. You're getting very aggressive with the gorilla. Be bueno. The theme music is Frequency, written and performed by yours truly, Brett Vargo. Any other music in this episode is presented solely for purposes of review, examination, and news reporting. If you like what you hear, go to your record store and pick up the LP, CD, cassette, or 8-track, or stream it if you're one of those newfangled fancy pants. If we're lucky enough to still have these artists with us, go out and see some live music. For the latest updates, join the O3L community at facebook.com slash only3lads. We want to hear from you. And while you're at it, click on the Shop Now link for the coolest threads. Until next time, thanks for listening.